Welcome to Resilience Today, the audio collection of Resilience Ministries. My name is Lindsay Jolly, and I'm a biblical counselor for women and families in the Northeast Tennessee area. If you'd like more information or have any other questions, visit me at resilienceministries.com. As a preview to this teaching, please be aware that it is an interactive workshop. And so people are asking questions and reading um, out loud from a worksheet all throughout the room. So volume varies from person to person. This teaching will be most helpful if you're able to follow along on the same worksheet that we used. If you don't have access to that worksheet, please write me at contact at resilienceministries.com and I'd be happy to send you a copy. Okay, so we are going to talk through today how to have gospel conversations in your small group. And it's actually a really good skill that you can use individually with your friends, even just one-on-one. But that's a little bit easier to do because it's just you. But when it's a group of three, four, or five people, you really have to have a group vision on how to do that and kind of work together to do that well. So um, I'm going to invite... Karen, Miss Karen Trigg, to come up here with me. And she is, I'm going to talk us through the worksheet, but um, I just wanted to have her come up because she and I have been in some kind of group <laughs> together for about 10 years. Is that right? I think so. Um, so there will be times when I might defer to her, and well, I will, and invite her to just give some input on it. But if you will... Get out your worksheet. Um, there's two sides of it. One says gospel conversations check-in, and the other side says gospel conversations, okay? So just to familiar, familiarize you with this worksheet, the, the, the side that just says gospel conversations at the top, that is going to tell you, we're going to talk through it, but it's going to tell you how to do this. And the flip side is going to tell you Uh, tell us the questions, kind of the order to go in as you have the conversation. So you will be using the back side of it that says gospel conversations check-in every week. So you want to save this piece of paper because you're going to be referring to this every week in your groups. Um, But the first thing we're going to read through is on the side that says just gospel conversations. We're just going to read that top paragraph, and I would love to invite somebody to read this who has a really good, loud reading voice. Anybody want to own that? I mean, you, you're, you're out. Oh, you're loud. Okay. Great. That's perfect. Um, so Gretchen, if you'll just read that first paragraph for us under gospel conversations. Rather than popcorning around different people, and two, allowing for a slow 
So pause right there. So we're just going to read that paragraph, and then we're actually going to go over to the back side. But um, I just want to point out a few things in that paragraph. Um, That the purpose of these conversations is to recognize and apply how the gospel, how the life, death, and resurrection of Christ um, and the kingdom of God apply to the specific details of our hearts and lives because it's very practical, but it seems very mystical sometimes. It seems elusive sometimes. Like, how does, how does the gospel affect my mindset? How does the gospel affect my fear? How does the gospel affect my resentment that I have? How do I receive that and experience transformation? And not only that, it's one thing to do that maybe by yourself in your devotional time. And it's, it's always, transformation is usually very slow. You know, like trees, it's kind of like the pace a tree grows, um, which is slow. Sometimes God zaps us, but most of the time it's through slow transformation because that requires dependence. If God always zapped us, we wouldn't really need to depend on him or have a relationship with him. And the whole point is that he wants to have a relationship with us. So um, so the, the other two things I wanted to point out was where it says the two unique aspects of GCs are focusing on one person for an extended length of time rather than popcorning around to different people. So what, what's going to happen in these conversations is one person is going to be the focus of the group. When I say the focus, don't worry. They're not going to be like, you are going to kind of be on the spot, but not in a bad way. It's just going to be an opportunity for you to kind of share and talk through your life without, and that happens a lot in conversations, but without that focus then being redirected to another person. Because sometimes that happens even over dinner conversations. You're talking about something, but then somebody else jumps in and says, oh, yeah, that happened to me, too. This is the story of how that happened to me. And that is that is normal, great. It's encouraging to hear other people's stories. But we want to provide opportunity for somebody to just stay where they are in their process and listen to questions and be able to process with their group rather than redirecting it to other people and kind of the way a dinner conversation would go. Um, And then also the pace of the conversation is much slower than normal dialogue. Normal dialogues back and forth, there's not as as many pauses. So this is going to be slower, and there's going to be times where you just let the person think for just a minute or two or reflect. It's not not awkward. It's kind of natural, but it's slower than a typical pace of dialogue. That makes sense. Okay, so flip over. And I want to read this first because I want you to understand the steps and how it's going to go. And then we'll talk through how you do it. So this includes some of how, but it's more the order. And then afterwards, it's going to be kind of how. So who would like to read this section that says gospel conversation check-in? Anybody? Lauren can? Okay. And before Lauren reads, so just so you understand the big picture vision... In your small groups each week, you're going to come and you're going to do a check-in that's going to take, what does it say, maybe about 10 minutes. And then the rest of your small group will be life transformation questions. So the check-in is just brief. And then the life transformation questions we're going to go on are the bulk of your um, conversation. So Lauren, go ahead.
Awesome. Okay, so we have not really planned this. <laughs> We're just working through it. So, Karen, as you look at that section, what are some of the things that you would point out or that stick out to you based on kind of our experience? And um, Well, I'd say it is really hard to avoid telling a story because we're women, because we're just naturally like storytellers. We want to tell all the details and then get to the heart. But we know that God is more concerned with the heart than he is with the details. Um, and so, I mean, we have to redirect sometimes after all these years, you know. Um, and then there are times where details of the story are helpful, but to really this is not the space for it. This is not the best space for it. In crisis, maybe. Yeah. I think that's maybe the exception. Mm -hmm. But, um, yeah. It, it kind of reminds me of when um, often we, we want to come together and uh, pray together. So we have an hour and we spend 55 minutes getting the prayer requests and then five minutes praying. When the purpose is to pray together. So, um, just kind of remember that when you see the part that says avoid storytelling. It doesn't mean that we don't care about the details and the person, people you're with don't care about the details. It means that if, we're, if there are truly gospel conversations, developing into gospel conversations, that we're really going to be looking at our own hearts under, under the magnifying glass of the word and trusting the people that we're in this um, gospel conversation group with to, to help us to get to our heart. Yeah, and there, there will be some, there is, um, when, you, when we get down to the life transformation questions, that is more of a space for brief, brief context and story. But the check-in is really just meant to be just a check-in, not an explanation behind the check-in. Because the purpose is for every single person to be heard. And I would say um, one of the reasons these groups cap at five is because in having these types of conversations, you really can't hear everybody. Even in five, I really think personally, if you've got three committed people, that three is the ideal number for this type of group. Um, but I think up to five works. If you do more than that, each person's going to be able to only work through their stuff periodically because it just takes time. It takes time to work through what you're working through. So, um, so what's an example of how you would do a check-in? Well, I could do a check-in right now. So let me think about if I was going to do a check-in. I usually have to think. Um, what has been the condition of my heart? I would say it's been varied. <laughs> Most of our hearts are varied, right? I have been encouraged this week. I have, um, I kind of went like if I'd have checked in two weeks ago, I would have said I feel heavy because I've had some crises happen in my life and that's um, um, been burdensome. I've been trying to walk in forgiveness and humility and not take offense. Um, 
that would be like two weeks ago. This this week it would be I feel encouraged in the Lord. I feel like he's spoken to me about some things. I'm still trying to walk in humility and work out forgiveness in my life um, and make sure that or ask God to keep my heart clean before him. Um, so that's a really brief check-in. But I'm kinda, I, te- I usually tell a little bit about how I feel emotionally, how I feel spiritually, and if I have recognized any sin in my heart or in my life. And lots of times I have to confess pride because I'm like, what is my sin? <laughs> and then when I'm asking that question, I'm like, yeah, I'm obviously very arrogant because I can't think of what my sin is. I was just joking with somebody. That happened yesterday. We were joking. My other friend was like, that's me too. We must be so prideful, you know. So <laughs> sometimes I have to confess that. Um, and I, Or I'll say, "What? y'all tell me. What do you see? You know, what's going, what do you see in me? So that's a short example. Um, you want to take a, say something about this sentence right here? The, if someone's struggling emotionally. checked in two weeks ago and we were sitting in our group, you know, I might have said something like, oh gosh, that, that must be incredibly hard. It was. Um, I can see you're really struggling. And um, thanks for being real about that and trusting us. And um, let's come back and talk about that deeper in a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yep. Perfect. She's a pro. Whatever sounds natural. Whatever yeah. is natural to you. But but it's really just recognizing instead of going, oh, great. We'll, we'll talk about that later. Yeah. yeah. Or the, uh, the flip side of that is, oh, you're, yeah, I'm so sorry. You're crying. Oh, let's talk about it right now. Because then everybody else doesn't get to check in. Like you want to be able to follow up with that person. And so you want to authentically, like, man, that sounds hard or awful. But... Um, but that would be, would you be okay if we talk about that some more in a little bit? And they're probably say yes. That's why they're there. Um, and I think the temptation would be, um, gosh, I'm sorry. Have you tried this? Well, did you do that? You know, and, and it's just really important, like, to really hear the person. You know, I think she used the word validate. Yeah, validate their emotions. Um, so just really, we want to be heard. Um, God cares whether or not we're heard. Um, so validate that. Mm-hmm. And um, going back when it says when listening under there, another thing it says is refrain from giving feedback and asking questions. That doesn't, the giving feedback does not include validating what they're sharing. But it's uh, more, refrain from questions. You're going to be asking a lot of questions when we get to the life transformation part. But it's just not for the check-in. The whole purpose of the check-in is every person to, to, feel, to be heard that day. Does that make sense? Because when you get to the lights, because there's five people in, in most groups, four to five people, probably, unless you have a full two hours, probably only three people are going to work through their stuff each week because it just takes time. Um, and if there's a crisis or a lot of tension in one person's life, then maybe only two. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's more important to pay attention to that than it is to make sure you're going through the rote questions to make sure that you get everybody done. Check. Right. And 
If you didn't get to share one week, one of the things that we've tried to do is the next week, the people who didn't share the previous week, they go first the next week. Um, and sometimes there'll be somebody that, like, they're in a season that's more crisis than others, and so they might check, they might be sharing more for two months, and then it might switch to somebody else's sharing more for a few months. But you do want to just pay attention. Who didn't share last week or who didn't we go deep with, and let's kind of try and start with them this week so that everybody's... Um, being able to receive. Um, okay, let's go down to the life transformation questions. So these are the questions that each person, um, not during the check-in, but e- when you are kind of, you're the person that's sharing, um, every person is going to ask these three questions, and then there's a closing gratitude. And I have been asking these three questions, we have been, I don't know if we started off with these kind of questions. I don't remember what we did in the very beginning. Yeah, I think it was when you came back from. Mhm. Cl- pretty close to the beginning, but I've been working through these three questions almost weekly for about 8 years, and it's so helpful. And if you look at them, if you remember when we went through the three greats, remember the triangle with the three greats? I wish I could have spent an hour and a half on that cuz it's so good. Be- not because I came up with it, it's what Jesus said, but um these three questions align with the three greats. Um, and so that's why they're so powerful because they're asking you questions about the three most important things in all of life, the three most important things in all of life. So, um, and we'll talk through that a little bit more, but who could read? Actually, I need one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. I need eight people who are cool with reading out loud and can look up scripture for me to raise their hands, and I'm just going to number you off. If you feel courageous and can read, okay, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, one more, eight, one of you two, y'all pick. So if you look, I was, I probably could have organized this better, but if you look in the three questions, after each question, there is, there are scriptures, okay, so you know what number you are, so count down. One is Matthew 4 through 4. Two is, is Isaiah 56, 7. Three is John 10, 27. Four is under question two, James 5, 16. Am I going too fast or are you good? Romans 8, 13 is what number? Five. You guys get it? Can you count it out yourselves? Okay, so if one, two, and three can go ahead and look up their scriptures, and everybody doesn't need to look them up because there's so many and it'll take too long, so just listen to these scriptures. But while they are looking those up, um, Karen, do you want to read question number one and the bullet points under it, and then we'll read the scriptures? Question number one, uh, what has God been teaching you through the word and prayer this week? Um, And the two bullet points, what has he revealed about himself? What has he revealed about you in light of who he is? If you haven't spent time in the word and prayer, how can you make ownership and responsibility for your time with him? How can you take, sorry, how can you take ownership and responsibility for your time with him? And what might be your next step in seeking God through his word? So up assumes that you've been in prayer and in the word. But if you've not been, 
there is therefore no condemnation, the gospel conversation groups are for the purpose then of, okay, well, what kept you from it? Um, and sometimes you've had sickness in your house, or sometimes you've been off your schedule and traveling, and, you know, so there's, I mean, there is no condemnation, but we do want to go back to the question, how can, what are your next step to get back in? Because it's empowering. The purpose of it is to empower you and for you to enjoy the Lord, um, because the enemy, of all the things he doesn't want you to do, he does not want you talking to God, and he does not want you reading his word, and it's empowering, it's a life to your spirit and your mind. Um, so can one, two, and three, can you guys read your scriptures and give us, just say the scripture reference and read the scriptures. Matthew 4, 4, and he answered, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that comes from the mouth of God. Isaiah 56, 7, these I will bring to my holy mountain and give them joy in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and sacrifices will be accepted on my altar, for my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations. Awesome. You want to say anything about those or just read them? I'm asking you. Oh, me? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, No, I don't think so. The word speaks for itself. We just wanted to let you know that these things are not things we made up. That we're just, we're trying to follow the word. Okay, sorry. Um, Okay, question number two. I'll read this. It says, in what sin do you need to confess and what does repentance look like? So I want to connect this to the three greats a little bit. Obviously, when we sin, we we sin regularly. We're not going to be perfect until Jesus comes back and we're in our glorified bodies and there's a new heaven and a new earth. But it does say in the scriptures that we are being transformed from glory to glory. So hopefully we're being ever increasingly freed from sin and learning how to walk in step with the spirit and fighting against the flesh. It's a battle and we take two steps forward and one step back. That's part of being a human being. Um, But as far as the three greats go, so what I was going to say was obviously we sin, our sin is when we sin, it's primarily against God. But very often the, the, the first grade is love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. The second grade is love your neighbor as yourself. Very often, our sin often includes other people, too, right? Like probably most of the time. Not always, but most of the time. So um, so when you're thinking about question number two, you're thinking about the first great as well as the second great commandment. Um who can read who's got those next two scriptures and can read those? James fifteen, page five, sixteen. Therefore confess your sin to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Mm-hmm. Romans eight thirteen. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if you but if for the spirit you put to death Amen. So I just want to say one thing about the passage about confess your sins one to another and you'll be healed. Right around the same time when we did this redemption group training, um, 
we were at another training and we were talking to a young pastor, younger than me, and he was talking about being in a discipleship group. And he started talking about, yeah, and we usually do this in our group and we do this and then we confess sin to one another and then we do this. And I didn't hear anything else that he said after that. I just heard the phrase, we confess sin to one another. And I just like went into this little bubble with that sentence. And, and it was like Charlie Brown, him talking in the background, you know, wah, 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 Charlie Brown's teacher. And I just remember thinking, you do what? You confess sin to one another? And I was thinking, I don't do that. Is that a thing? You know? And um, I can honestly say that learning how to do that, when I came back to Johnson City and learning how to do that has been one of the most empowering and transformational things in my life because it this is my opinion I don't know that it says this well it kind of says that in that scripture but I really believe it accelerates your transfer the transformation in your life because it does two things number one it helps you take ownership for things instead of blaming other people and blaming your circumstance and situations and when you take ownership it's empowering if we live as victims, which we are victims sometimes. Bad things happen to us and we are victims. But if we blame then our response and on other people rather than taking ownership, we're going to be stuck. But through confession of sin, number one, you take ownership. Number two, it really sets you free. It really brings healing because when you bring things into the light... Even though the process of bringing it into the light sometimes makes you feel like you're going to throw up, right? It is so empowering and freeing because when you bring it into the light and then you experience mercy and grace and love and kindness from God and from people, it is so freeing. And so freedom has just, I would really say, accelerated and exploded in my life over the last 10 years through this practice. And it used to be very, very intimidating to me. Now, do I like talking about my sin? Not so much, but kind of, because I've recognized that on the other side of it, I find freedom. And, and so it's gotten more and more comfortable to just own it. Um, would you say anything about that? Just that there's something in, in the part of the scripture that says, and pray for one another so that you may be healed. Um, that God didn't intend for us to carry our sin alone. Mm-hmm. That there is power in having others know our sin, lean in and love us even still. You know, that is a picture of Jesus. Um, and, and to help take us to the foot of the cross in prayer, that's part of God's plan. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, It says, remember that the purpose of confession and repentance is never shame or condemnation, but is always redemption. Consider possible areas of sin. Who could read through those bullet points for me? Somebody on this side, because I feel like this side's read a lot. Anybody over here? Karen? Okay. (laughs) No, but the other side of it is really good. The other side. Covetousness.
Okay, so when I read that, I thought, neglecting doctor visits, is that a sin? (laughs) So this is not like meant to be legalistic. This is just to help you explore. If you are like me and you sometimes are prideful and can't think of your sin, (laughs) here's a whole list that can help you kind of explore. What is my sin? Um, So, and obviously it's not exhaustive. There's all sorts of other things. But again... The emphasis is never on your uh, condemnation. You are not your sin. Paul said, it is no longer I who sin, but sin that lives within me. We still have flesh, and we still have a sinful nature. But Paul said, it is no longer I who sin, but sin that lives within me. So we have to battle our fleshly nature, but it is not who we are. Who we are is new creations in Christ, which for me really deepening my understanding of my identity in Christ and how secure and accepted and forgiven I am for all past, present, and future sin makes confession of sin less intimidating because I know I'm confessing this, but that's not really who I am. That's something that I gave into or that was, that was a thought process that I need God to refine, but who I am is a new creation in Christ. And so when I confess my sin, I have responsibility in that, but it doesn't define me. Does that make sense? And so that really, really helped me, has helped me, and continues to help me when I don't want to talk about something that is embarrassing or humbling. Um, It gives me freedom to remember, that's not who I am. Who I am is defined by the death and resurrection of Christ. I do take responsibility for my sin, but it's not my identity. Does that make sense? Okay. Number three, out. And I really, I'll say this about number three. I love number three because it's very easy in discipleship groups to just be focused inwardly and on our own relationship with God. And we can kind of get this inward kind of um, unhealthy introspection that we're only always thinking about ourselves. And we so often forget the third great, which is the purpose of our lives beyond Loving, knowing, and enjoying Christ and loving um, people is to make disciples, to go into all the world and make disciples of all nations. That includes our sphere of influence in our workplace. It includes our children. It includes our neighbors. It includes um, people that don't know Christ or, or that are younger in Christ than us. So to ask myself the question, how am I making disciples? And it's I think we have to be really careful to say, man, I don't have, I can't do one more thing. It's not doing one more thing. It's doing life differently. It's not doing one, adding one more thing. It's saying, maybe there's some things that don't fit into the three greats that I'm doing. Because if it's, these are the three greats, they need to come first, second, and third in my life before these other things that maybe don't fit into the three greats. I'm going to use some discernment, so I want us to be careful not to say, and it's kind of a rationalization of our lifestyle if we're not making disciples, to say, oh, I I just can't add one more thing. And what I'm saying is don't add one more thing. Live your life differently. Be more intentional. Yeah. Yes. Be intentional about um, making disciples. And and, um, it's not about even making disciples. It's not about performance. It's not about, oh, I'm a good Christian because I'm discipling somebody else. It's about um, being transformed, enjoying God, being filled by him, and then pouring that out to other people. Um, 
And it's about obedience to what he calls us to. Yep. Boom. Obedience. Um, okay, so number three. Um, out. What is your next step in making disciples? Who can read those last three scriptures for us? I don't remember who has them. So. And then who can read the bullet points for us? Disciple maker, let me just tell y'all. She embarrassed me. I'm sorry. She had just has such a heart for mentoring and discipling, and the Lord really just called her into that and opened her eyes to that. How many years ago? Fifteen? Longer? Twenty? Probably twenty. Twenty. And I've learned so much from her about this. So, say something about. intentionality is a huge thing um, and, and as Lindsay says here in one, at least one other person it doesn't have to be like a large group it doesn't have to even be a small group it can be one other person um, I think that we get stuck in our heads about what it's supposed to look like um, and that it's some kind of, it should look like a program or have an outline, rather than just really thinking, wait, I know Christ. Here's what my life looked like before. And in the midst of that, Christ came and got me and redeemed me. And because of that, this is how he transformed my life at that point and how he continues to transform my life. How can I not be intentional to share that in any setting that I'm in. So how can I go deeper with just one other person intentionally? How can I open myself to that instead of protecting myself thinking, as we often do, um, I wouldn't know where to start. I don't have anything to give. Um, What if nobody wants to spend time with me? I really don't want to open my front door. I don't want anybody to come in and see my mess. I mean, I've heard all these things over the years that women have admitted to me. Um, And then I've heard them say, I risked cracking my front door. And I invited two women to come in and have coffee with me, coffee and muffins. And 
or I invited a few women just to get together and have coffee and do a study every once in a while. You know, I mean, it's, it doesn't have to be complicated. It's a matter of um, I am so impacted by the love of Christ in my own life that I can't keep it to myself. And so how can I naturally share Christ in relationship with others in a way that their life can be impacted too? Yeah, and I like what she said. My life has been so impacted, how can I not share that with others? Some of my, you might be thinking, I could imagine somebody that's going through somebody's head, I don't know that my life really has been impacted. If you, if you haven't felt a, a significant transformation, maybe you put your faith in Christ, but you still feel an emptiness in your relationship with Christ. That's why the three greats are ordered one, two, and three. And so if that's where you are, I would say, man, don't try to go fake it and perform and make something happen because it's number three on the list. Go to number one and pursue him and grow in him and ask him the questions and wrestle with him in a real way so that you, when he does impact you, then you love others. Then, not I mean, you should love others all the time, but... Um, but then you you make disciples out of that. Yes. And um, so even right now, I was just telling a group uh, a group that I meet with on Tuesday mornings, and, and I came to this question, what is my next step in making disciples? And I had to say, well, you know, I've actually already got some structures in place in my life where I'm pouring out in that way. This is one of those. Another one is um, my counseling business or ministry. And so, actually, for me right now, my next step in making disciples is not doing another disciple-making thing. It's to really fight for my intimacy with God in the quiet place. Because that is what empowers me to make disciples. So, for me right now, my next step in making disciples is fighting for the secret place. I've got to get filled up with Him so that when I come here or when I go do counseling or whatever, I'm full. That is part of making disciples. And so that's why they all, they're, they're distinct, but they're also a Venn diagram, right? So, um, so I just think it's so important to keep number three, number three, because I, I have seen so many people in ministry be really unhealthy. And so many people, even not official ministry, but just serving their guts out in their church or in their family or in their life, and they're doing number two and number three, and they're just dying because they have let number one just fall by the wayside. And so I would say, man, just enjoy number one. Give yourself freedom to put God first because he's your life, he's your rest, he's, he, he's what empowers number two and number three. And so it is freedom, it's obedience to be able, sometimes we have to say no to like we've gotten overloaded on number three and we need to say, you know what? I need to say no. I need to like take some things off my plate so that I can put the first commandment first so that then I can love others and make disciples, make disciples because that's, he put, he said it's the greatest commandment because he knew we would get it out of order. We needed clarification on that. Um, and then the closing gratitude on here is, um, what do you want to celebrate about God's faithfulness in your life this week? And the scripture says, yes, go ahead. Yeah, go back. Okay. Um, two things um, based on the last thing that you said. 
One, when I when I first started um, intentionally discipling other women, I was so blown away that God could use somebody like me. I mean, I really thought I had the top five right at you know the front of my mind of the women I knew that could do this and do this better than me. But God was pressing in on my heart. No, I'm, I'm calling you to do this, and this is what I want it to look like with you. And I'm only going to show you a little bit at a time because I want you to be obedient to me. Um, and so I was so blown away that I said yes to everyone who asked. And I asked what they wanted to do, and I found myself doing three different studies. Um, live and learn is kind of you know, my motto. I don't like it, but that's where I find myself all the time. And so I found myself burnt out trying to meet everybody's individual needs that way. And I felt like the Lord said, you're going to crash and burn. You know, back up, draw into me, and let me lead you in how to do this. So then, you know, so just a little wisdom there in that, um, you know, maybe you're doing a study and you invite someone asks to meet with you and you say, hey, I'm doing this study. I'd love to meet with you and have coffee. Would you be interested in doing this with me? Or I'm reading <coughs> the book of James. Let's study that together, scripture, verse by verse, you know. Um, and they may or may not say yes, but like, there are all different options, but you also have to pay attention to honoring your time, your family, and the Lord. The Lord first. I should have said the Lord, your time, your family. Um, but then the other thing that I can't miss before you go on to the uh, closing gratitude, and I think it's funny because I think of the word gratitude with this, is that, you know, we were meeting um, and really enjoying our time, the three of us. Um, in gospel conversations and really seeing transformation in one another. Me, and, me, you, and Sherry, yes, right? The yep. three of us. Sherry. And, um, and it, like Lindsay has said before, it's looked different at different times over the years with us. Um, but for Lindsay to make a decision to do redemption groups, I was blown away because what, we have 45 women that signed up? And and really, instead of trying to reach 45 women individually to sit down and have coffee with them and talk to them about discipleship, to talk about the three grades, to talk about gospel conversations, um, there were 45 women that signed up that get to glean from Lin Lindsay's wisdom about discipleship. They get the clarity of her great teaching. They get, you all get, we get the clarity of her great teaching. But it's like, I just see this ripple because it's not going to be 45 women. It's going to be 45 women, possibly times three. And then, you know, it will continue to multiply because all of us have a clearer understanding after finishing redemption groups of what discipleship looks like, what gospel conversations look like. So we'll be more effective within our sphere of influence, each one of us. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and really the goal, I've said this before, but I'll say it again, is that everything we do here be reproducible in our living rooms. Yes. Um, that's why we don't have a worship band up here. It's, plus, it's like so much more work. Um, but... We really want everything we do, you to be able to take and do it in your home with other people. You can do it. Once you learn how to do it, it it's demystified 
And um, I'm excited about the fact that it's up, this is reproducible in living rooms. Um, so that's exciting. Um, so the closing gratitude is, this is brief. This is not like you don't necessarily have um, a lot of conversation about the closing gratitude. It might just be two sentences. And that is just, what do you want to celebrate about God's faithfulness in your life this week? Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. So even if you can't give thanks for what is happening what to you in your life in a certain season, how can you give thanks in that, in the midst of it? Um, so it's just a beautiful thing to end with, okay, I want to be thankful. You know, my husband and I, when we recognize there's like some net, like we've had some negative conversation, we'll be in the car, or we'll be in the kitchen or whatever, and we'll say, okay, let's say 10 things we're thankful for. Like that was a ridiculous conversation we had for 15 minutes. Let's just talk about the 10 things that we're thankful for. And we'll just sit there and name them out loud. And they might be, I'm thankful I have a roof over my head. I'm thankful I've got, I can pay my bills. I'm thankful that... I had something to go through my head, but I'm not going to say that out loud. Um, I'll tell you later. Um, so just gratitude is so, um, it is so empowering and to joy and peace in our lives. So we just want to end with a closing gratitude. I hope you enjoyed today's teaching. Remember Psalm 145 that says, The Lord is close to all who call on Him, to all who call on Him in truth. Visit me online at resilienceministries.com and don't forget to share this with a friend. Have a great day. The podcast you just heard was published with Anchor. Got something you want to say to the creator of this show? Send them a voice message using the Anchor app, free for iOS and Android.